Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast brought to you by Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or you would like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. The FIAAA also wants to thank our great diamond sponsors, including Varsity Brands, featuring BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. Our other diamond sponsor is Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing helps thousands of schools across the country seamlessly provide convenient digital ticketing options for their communities, families, and fans. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Finally, we want to thank our great platinum sponsors, including Booster Digital Displays, revolutionize your game day experience. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great FIAAA sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is an old friend, Ryan Frost. Ryan is a certified master athletic administrator, and he's the director of athletics at Cardigan Mountain School in, is it Canaan, New Hampshire? Yes. Ryan, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this for a while. This is great. Uh, well, uh, just the scheduling has been crazy, but we're very glad to get you on and hear what's happening up in um, your corner of the country. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests a little bit. So tell us about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, and, and maybe how your path led you to uh, Cardigan Mountain. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, so I was born in Dallas, Texas. I uh, grew up kind of all over the place. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. Uh, Illinois, North Carolina, Texas, Mississippi, uh, even over in Scotland for a little while uh, through school. Um, you know, by the time I was in sixth grade, my parents settled down. Dad got out of the Air Force and we spent the rest of the time in North Carolina. Chapel Hill was home for me and where I grew up from sixth grade on. Um, you know, my parents have been there still. They, my dad just retired, but they're celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. So congratulations to them. Uh, you know, my brother and sister, I have two younger siblings, one younger sister and one younger brother. Uh, they both still live, uh, my brother lives down there in Chapel Hill with my parents and my sister's in Texas, uh, out in San Antonio still. So she's out, out there in the West. <laughs> uh, for me, I grew up, uh, kind of playing sports throughout my life, uh, as I'm sure many of us did. 
uh, yeah, Durham Academy was where I went to school from seventh grade on. Before that, I had been a public school kid all my life, um, but yeah, joined Durham Academy in seventh grade, uh, and that made a huge difference in my life as to my trajectory of where I went. Um, you know, growing up, you know, like I said, played sports, uh, you know, anything and everything, you know, flag football, soccer, t-ball, basketball, lacrosse, racquetball, tennis, you know, volleyball, skateboarding, biking, you know, active kids. So anything and everything I could get my hands on to do uh, was kind of what I did as a kid growing up. Uh, I was also active in scouts. I was an Eagle Scout, and I think that had a huge impact on you know, who I was and who I am today, without a doubt. And you know, kind of taught me a lot about uh, leadership and, and life lessons through scouting. Um, you know, one of the other things was I went to the Hill Center. I grew up with, uh, you know, at the time we called them learning uh, <laughs> learning uh you know learning disabilities at the time when i was growing up but you know obviously today now learning differences uh so the hill center was a part of Durham academy and that was a, probably a huge piece of my life as well that kind of you know set me apart um you know maybe learn to appreciate hard work <clears throat> dedication and kind of growing through uh difficult times as a kid you know with education and, and so it gives me a great appreciation for kids today uh, and kids that struggle with you know, learning differences. So that's something that's probably a huge impact on my life and who I was. Uh, I would also say the other piece for me growing up uh, in high school, you know, just my friends and my, my coaches made big impacts on my life uh, and the trajectory I was uh, you know, all along growing up through school. I thought I was gonna you know, go off to medical school, be a doctor, a dentist, something along those lines. That was just what I knew. My my dad was an oral surgeon, uh, and my mom was a nurse, and all their friends were doctors. Uh, so it was kind of that was what I knew. I did I didn't know about athletics and the athletic director or being an athletic director, so I wasn't sure how that path would filter through. Um, but fortunately, as I went through uh, high school and into college, I, I met friends that kind of changed my trajectory. Uh, you know, so when I got to college. My college assistant coach uh, basically told me when he was leaving and I was graduating that he was going to call me the first time he had a job opportunity for me. And that really changed my path. He, uh, he called me up uh, and, and moved me in the direction of going into athletic administration. Um, so, you know, I guess that's kind of a little bit back my background. Uh, you know, my you know, current state, my wife and I are married, getting ready to celebrate our 18th anniversary coming up this fall. Well done. Uh, I could not, as any of us, could not do what I do without the support uh, and care of her uh, and my three amazing children, uh, Caroline, who's 14, Natalie, who's 13, and James, who's 11. So that's uh, that's really kind of my background as far as my family life and, and growing up. Um, and I think, uh, you know, sports, I can talk about my sports background a little bit and how that's kind of trajectory, you know, changed my trajectory. Um, as I said, I grew up playing sports all my life, all around. Uh, you know, I think a big impact when I was six, my dad yeah, gave my first lacrosse sticks. He saw a game at University of North Carolina. Uh, lacrosse has definitely been my passion for sports uh, as I grew up. You know, I, at sixth grade, I finally got a chance to play lacrosse for the first time, played rec lacrosse, uh, and then joined the lacrosse team at Durham Academy. Uh, and that was a, uh, a life-changing moment for me. I, I went from being a you know, kind of soccer, basketball, baseball, football kid to really lacrosse became uh, the next passion and, and, and changed where I went with my life. Uh, you know, followed lacrosse through college. Uh, and I captained my soccer team and lacrosse team in high school uh, and played uh, soccer and, and lacrosse through high school. Uh, loved it, uh, had a great experience. 
went off to play college across at Franklin and Marshall College, uh, where I captained there as well and, and had a great experience uh, and, and grew a lot. Um, you know, that, that was a life-changing moment. But then uh, after college, was still kind of on that trajectory trying to figure out where I wanted to go. <laughs> um, and uh, Jason Miller, who had been my assistant with Cross Coach in college, he called and offered me a position to come up to Springfield College in Massachusetts uh, to go uh, work on you know education, athletic administration, and uh, I jumped at that opportunity. And that was a that was a life changing moment for me for sure. Uh, I always love to hear the stories and. Uh... Uh, just reminded of the similarities, you know, in, in paths from uh, different individuals. Um, for our listeners, again, we're uh, talking with Ryan Frost, who's the athletic director at Cardigan Mountain School in New Hampshire, kind of unique setting. Um, take us very quickly, you know, that path that brought you to Cardigan Mountain, and then just uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what makes that school so unique. Sure. Uh, so my path to Cardigan, you know, obviously, like I said, I Went on to Springfield College, did my athletic administration degree there. Um, you know, got two master's degrees in education and athletic administration. From there, I went to the Kincaid School in Houston, Texas, where I worked for six years coaching and teaching. Uh, I was a physical education teacher there for middle and elementary school kids. Uh, and then I obviously coached and ran our lacrosse program at, at Kincaid. Uh, from there, uh, really, yeah, we were talking about it a minute ago, the, the website uh, aerial views of Cardigan, uh, you know, and, and looking out on our lake in the fall foliage, uh, as well as really the, um, yeah, I guess the teaching philosophy of the school and the education model of the school sold me on going to Cardigan. I wanted to be an athletic director. They had an AD opening. Uh, I needed to get back to New England for my wife uh, and her family, uh, so I had taken her away to Texas for six years, and that was the end of that. Uh, and, and it was a great opportunity for me. So I, I applied for the job, uh, flew up, interviewed here at, Car at Cardigan. Uh, I was replacing an athletic director who had been here for 40 years. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of one of those things that the program here was really strong. We're an all boys uh, junior boarding school, which is a, an odd concept that I had never heard of until I got to Cardigan. Uh, we are sixth through ninth grade, all boys, uh, about 225 boys most years. The majority of our boys are eighth and ninth graders, uh, but we do have a small sixth grade and then a, a little bit larger seventh grade. Um, our boys are coming here from a variety of backgrounds all over the world. So we have international kids from China, Japan, Korea, uh, you know, Mexico, uh, as well as other you know, various places around the world, smaller pockets, but those are kind of the bigger parts of our international population. Uh, our boys are coming from all over the United States as well. Uh, predominantly from New England, but we get kids from Florida, we get kids from Texas and California and Washington, D.C., you know, Chicago, you name it. Uh, and the boys that are coming here, they are coming for a variety of reasons. A lot of them want to go on to prep boarding schools in New England or around the country. And so they're coming here to kind of get that experience early on and prepare uh, to go off to boarding school. Uh, some of them are coming because they're you know, kind of a second generation. You know, they're, they may have older parents that have had older ch children already, and now they're the younger one. It's kind of, okay, you know, we're not sure how to handle our young middle school boy. Uh, you know, what do we do with him? <laughs> how do we keep him active? Uh, and so this is a place where the boy can come and, and be a boy and really learn to grow academically, athletically, 
socially uh, and really has a chance to you know, kind of mature as a young man. And, and that's some of the things that we really pride ourselves on here is the whole boy education. You know, we're working on their academics, their athletics. Uh, we're also working on their social skills and their leadership and, and just really how to be a good, well-rounded person uh, through our core values and, and education system here. And uh, it is a lifestyle being at a boarding school, especially with middle school boys. You are with them 24-7. <laughs> and uh, uh, when they're on campus, it, it's fully immersed. Uh, we're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them. Uh, you're in the dorm with them. Uh, teaching them in classes and then out of practices in the afternoon. So it's, it's definitely a, a different model, um, but one that uh, really spoke to me uh, because of some of the things we do, especially athletically here, uh, really kind of interests me. No, I, again, for those of you who haven't uh, been exposed, uh, you know, to the, the private school, the independent school, the boarding school model, it is, uh, you know, very unique. Uh, you know, the last, I guess, 25 or so years of my career, has been at independent or private schools only one year uh, at a boarding school. Uh, so uh, it, it is a, a very different and in many ways, a very cool environment. Uh, um, we, you touched on it briefly earlier and I, I wanna take a little deeper dive. In our uh, profession, we always talk about the importance of leadership and particularly mentorship. So um, I'm curious, who were some of your mentors, either, you know, parents or coaches you might've had growing up or, you know, people that you worked with or worked for? Uh, obviously in the boarding environment, you kind of described it, there's a lot of mentoring going on. So who are some of your mentors uh, that you've had in your career? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a, quite a few. And a lot of people have had a huge impact on my life over the years. Uh, I would say early on, obviously it was my parents. You know, they, they were you know, big influences on my life and who I was. My scout leaders uh, definitely were for sure. And my, my teachers at the Hill Center, which is that learning center that I went to as part of my high school. Uh, but I would say, you know, early on, the biggest person that had the most impact on me and still does today is uh, my high school soccer lacrosse coach, Joe Seibold, who's actually a head of school down there in Florida at uh, Berkeley Preparatory School. Oh. Uh, so he, he was probably the, the biggest influence on me, you know, kind of always asking me, why do you want to be a doctor? What, <laughs> What are you going to do to serve the better world and how are you going to be somebody that's going to help the greater good and, and kind of pushed me a little bit to think about that uh, in high school and even in college. Uh, I spent a year working with him uh, the year after I graduated college coaching soccer and lacrosse uh, and really that that changed you know, who I was and what I was thinking and then when my uh, friend from college my assistant coach Jason Miller called and offered me the position up at Springfield with him. That was it. I, I was done. I, was, I had changed, you know, 180 degrees. I was not going to be a doctor or a dentist or pursue that path any longer. I was going to go on into teaching and coaching and uh, really wanted to be an athletic director uh, at that moment. And, and I probably didn't know exactly what it entailed, not like any of us do before you really get into it. Uh, but that, that was definitely a big part of it. Those guys uh, changed my path for sure. Um, some other people that had big impacts, uh, Coach Marion, who was the athletic director here at Cardigan before I got here. He was here for 40 years. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, take over for him. Uh, but then he was here for five years, kind of serving as a mentor and leader to me, as well as the boys and everybody else on campus. He was kind of the guy, you know, that you walk out of the office or walk out of snack break and he's there to you know, pat you on the back or you know, kind of kicking the tail if you needed that too. And, and so he was a great influence. And then from there, I would say uh, Bob Lowe, Martha Brousseau, George DeHan, 
these are athletic directors in NEPSAC, which is the New England uh, Athletic Association Preparatory School Conference uh, here in, in New England. Uh, and those guys have really had big influences on me as an AD, uh, as well as other mentors and friends in the NIAAA uh, over the years. Um, the last one I would have to say, I'd have to say my wife. Uh, she, is, she is a mentor, she is a friend, a partner, uh, and somebody that constantly uh, allows me to bounce ideas off of, uh, helps shape my thinking, uh, and keeps me grounded for sure, which has been you know, a huge part of my life as well. Oh, absolutely. And again, I just love to hear the, the stories and um, reminders that uh, for all of us, none of us got here by ourselves. You know, we had people uh, pushing us, patting us on the back or kicking us in the butt, you know, whatever we needed <laughs> at the time. Um, Ryan, uh, we get a lot of young ADs that listen to the podcast. And I think it's important to kind of share the story of, you know, how we got to where we got, uh, you know, you and I, you know, we're both CMAAs, you know, that just didn't happen overnight. So, Real briefly, talk about, you know, your journey with NIAAA and your state association and um, the things that you've done, maybe even uh, uh, beyond your CMAA. Uh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think for me, uh, you know, kind of like I said early on, I, I wanted to be an athletic director, but we don't ever really know what that entails until we get into it. Uh, I think early on, I, I took a class as I was leaving Kincaid to come to, to Cardigan uh, through independent school management. Uh, I was basically an athletic administration intro course or you know kind of opening up of eyes to things and, and helping you prepare for that uh that introduced me to the niaa uh, and they said hey you should join this you need to get involved in this organization uh even as an independent school versus uh, you know, a lot of public schools kind of find their way through state associations uh so i jumped into the niaa and and delved into the professional development and, and i think uh, I've always been somebody that's uh, pride myself on being a lifelong learner. And I think that that uh, has been a huge part of my path through the NIAAA is really, you know, jumping into taking classes, you know, finding out what's out there, learning, growing. Uh, and so I've, I've taken tons and tons of uh, uh, LTIs and, and, you know, kind of taken all the classes, uh, loved that, worked my way through and set myself as a goal to get my CMAA. Uh, and you know, I remember sitting through the exam for the CAA and, and really kind of, that was a lot of pressure. I felt like it's dead time. It was like, I need to pass this. And I, I felt very, uh, you know, I guess some pressure to make sure I did it right the first time and, and loved that experience. Uh, you know, and then uh, continuing through that, I felt like, you know, my CMAA, uh, when I, I had some things I had done, but I wanted to do something new for my project. Uh, to get my CMAA. And so one of the things I did was I created a visitor's guide for our school uh, that became both you know, published and then now it's just digital that we share with everybody when they come to campus. So that was what I did for my CMAA uh, to get to that level. Uh, also, I think from uh, NIAAA, I've gained that continued idea of networking, professional development, uh, and a love for going to the conference. And, and the conference is always a lot of fun. Uh, I was fortunate enough to also be with you, uh, a member of the early, uh, you know, learning leadership cohort and, uh, you know, the NIAAAU, which now is just expanding and growing, <laughs> uh, you know, infinitely at the moment, uh, being a part of that leadership cohort and, and being able to be with all the athletic directors from around the country, uh, it's always a, a learning experience. And so that was a big thing that I really enjoyed. Uh, and I think I've taken out of the NIAAA is just that continued professional development, continued growth of learning and, and, and gaining from others, and hopefully you know, giving back a little bit too. Um, 
my path is a little different as far as the state association being in a private school uh we're not we're part of the state association but really kind of off on our own a little bit and so i've really delved into uh, kind of leadership roles in my independent school associations uh, i've been a secretary for our district from there i went on to be a middle school rep for nepsac uh, and then just recently, two years ago, I was selected to serve as the NEPSAC president. Uh, so I've kind of been NEPSAC secretary for two years. I'm, I'm getting ready to ascend, ascend to the vice president role for two years, and then I'll be the president of NEPSAC, which was a, you know, kind of a huge honor for me to be selected by my peers for that role. Uh, and I look forward to doing that uh, as part of my path through uh, kind of different from state associations, but the same idea uh, of what a state association might be. Oh, no, absolutely. And congratulations on that. Uh, I'm, I am glad you mentioned the uh, the cohort. You know, you and I were uh, members of that very first, the original yeah. cohort group. <laughs> so uh, we've always got that. Uh, for our listeners, we're visiting with Ryan Frost, CMAA, and the Director of Athletics at the Cardigan Mountain School in New Hampshire. We're going to take a quick break, uh, but we'll be coming back. First, we're going to hear from our podcast sponsor, Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or if you would like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. We're back with Ryan Frost from Cardigan Mountain School up in New Hampshire. Ryan, one of the things that we like to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What are a couple of um, things that you do at your school? Maybe there are initiatives that you thought of. Uh, maybe they've been there for 100 years. Uh, but what are a couple of things that when you look at, you can say with equal parts, pride and uh, humility, boy, we do this better than anybody else. Uh, what are a couple of best practices at your school? Uh, so I think for us, some of the things that we do that, that make us special and, and really kind of define who we are as a school, you know, all of our boys in our boarding school environment play three sports all three seasons. So, you know, we're fully uh, against the sports specialization model uh, and the fact that we're making them play three sports. So our, our kids come in, uh, they may come in and say, I'm a hockey player, but they're going to play you know, football, soccer, or mountain biking or cross country in the fall. And then they're going to do lacrosse, tennis, baseball, something else in the spring. And so I think our three-sport model really sets us apart. Uh, with that, we have a no-cut policy also still at the middle school, which is great for us. All of our kids, you know, if you have, you know, say you're coming in from Mexico and you've never played ice hockey before, but you want to play ice hockey, we've got a team and a level for you. And, and so, you know, all of our sports have multiple levels. Uh, whether it's, you know, varsity, which is our kind of ninth grade, eighth grade level that plays a high school schedule down to our, you know, rec programs or our, you know, beginner learn to skate programs. We have a place for every boy uh, to kind of meet them where they are and help them get to, you know, their goals or the next level or whatever it is they're looking to get out of it. Um, so I think that's a, something that sets us apart for sure. 
I think the other thing, because we're a boarding school and, and where we're located, uh, uh, it, it both helps us and hurts us in the fact that we have a teacher coach model. All of our coaches are teacher coaches on our campus, uh, which is what I want and what I prefer, which is great. Uh, it's also difficult. If we needed to hire outside coaches, it, it, it would be hard. Uh, we're not really easily located near Boston or someplace like that. We're going to find teachers uh, to coach outside of sports. Uh, but at the same time, I think our teacher coaches know our boys inside and out because they're sitting at the meals with them. They're teaching them classes. They're working in the dorm and then they're coaching them on the sports field. So they really know our boys and are able to then reach them at a different level than you might with an outside coach coming into your program. Uh, I think the other thing that kind of really sets us apart too is, is the way our boys compete and play. You know, we really push our boys, uh, no matter what sport they're playing, no matter if it's their first, second, or third sport, to you know, come out, compete, play as hard as they can, learn, grow, uh, but compete with you know, character and sportsmanship. And we really focus a lot on how we do that. Uh, Coach Marion, the AD I replaced, had a saying, knock them down and then give them a hand to help them back up. And so we, we strive to kind of continue that model and, and play that way that we're going to play hard, but we're going to play fair uh, and really compete uh, within the rules of the, of the sport that we're playing. Uh, and so not just within athletics, but our core values and our school philosophy and mission really permeate throughout campus. And, and you know, the athletic department is just one more place that we're uh, working to teach the boys and help them grow and learn. Uh, and so really, um, for me as an athletic director, I think our program uh, is, you know, co-curricular with our academics, with our arts, with our, you know, residential program, uh, and really just one more avenue that we're using to teach our boys uh, life lessons. And it, it really, you know, it's one of the things that drew me to Cardigan and, and keeps me here is the passion for being able to do that and it being such a central part of our educational philosophy. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned those. You really hit the, you know, Jake's uh, triple crown there. Um, the, the sportsmanship, knock them down, but help them up. Um, the uh, three sport philosophy, and then also the the teacher coach. Um, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but, you know, 100 years ago when I was in high school and in junior high, you know, that was the model. You know, there were no outside coaches. And I know it's a different time. Uh, and we have some great um, you know, community coaches, walk-on coaches, whatever you want to call them. But uh, at our school, uh, McClay, which is an independent school, uh, the vast majority of our uh, head coaches that are in charge of their program, they teach and work right on campus. And you're absolutely right. You know, they build those relationships with the kids. Uh, they see them in the dining hall. They see them in the hallways, in the classrooms. Um, no knock against, you know, the outside coach, the walk-on coach, but it's just... Uh, as we say, you know, it's a best practice when you right. can have those coaches on campus. Great stuff. Yeah. The one, um, one other thing I will add, sorry, sure. you know, was a, about that, you know, the sports specialization stuff, because that is such a huge driving factor in the culture of the world right now. Uh, you know, and we're obviously a, you know, expensive independent private school and we're attract trying to, you know, sell, <laughs> sell an expensive education. Uh, one of the things we do do within our three sport model is try to also then foster that skill development out of season. And so we have clubs one day a week, and then obviously Sunday weekend activities, we got to find something to keep the boys busy. So we do a lot of stuff out of season as well to help uh, you know, bridge that gap for those, those kids who feel like, oh, I have to be playing on my club team. I have to be training year round. 
so we try and you know help you know mend that fence of you can come play three sports you're still going to get skill development uh, and you're really not missing out because you're competing in other sports versus just training one season all year long. So that, that's something that I think we do a good job kind of balancing that out with our three-sport model. No, and, and that's an important point. And also as someone, you know, who's been in the business, the profession for as long as you have, you know, you know that typically those kids that are playing two and three sports those are the ones that are going on to the next level in their favorite sport. You're always going to have your favorite. Right. Uh, the sports specialists, you know, it, it doesn't always work out that way. So again, thanks for sharing that. Ryan, another question I've been asking our athletic directors revolves around this idea of social awareness or social justice. And my question is this, you know, how can athletic directors do a better job of being socially aware for their um, constituents, for their kids, their coaches, and their parents. Uh, I'm going to bet you have a unique perspective uh, on this question. Yes, and for me, you know, for us, we have obviously a, a variety of kids on our campus. We've got kids come from all over the world, uh, and they're come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Uh, and so for me, I think the biggest thing as an athletic director uh, is, again, it's going back to that lifelong learning. You always need to be kind of learning and aware of what's going on. Uh, culturally, uh, and for us, it's not just, you know, within our state or in our community, it's, you know, globally. Uh, and so we're kind of paying attention to what's going on in China and how those kids are, uh, you know, interacting or what's happening in their world, uh, what's going on in Mexico, also what's going on, you know, in the inner cities or other, you know, other more diverse places than Canaan, New Hampshire, because, uh, you know, outside of our boarding school bubble, you know, Canaan is a, is, is a pretty homogeneous area. Uh, there's not a lot of diversity in our area. Um, and so that's something that we are aware of and, and kind of, you know, watching our boys go out and interact with society. You know, we're, we're trying to make sure that we're understanding what they're uh, seeing, how they're being influenced. Um, and I think for us, it's that idea of continually learning, but keeping our eyes, ears, and our hearts open to what's going on and really paying attention to it and helping our boys uh, navigate, you know, the worlds of, you know, social media, the influences they're seeing uh, on the news. And, you know, if you watch one news channel, you're, you're getting one story. And if you watch another news channel, you get a totally different story. Uh, and how is, you know, where's the common ground? Where's the middle ground on that? And so I think for us uh, as athletic directors, you kind of have to be aware of what's going on. You have to have your ideas, but you have to be open to listening and learning from others and their ideas and, and their experiences and trying to, yeah, again, find that common ground that you can meet at uh, and help. And I think when you're working with young kids, uh, they're learning and, and everything you say or do, they're taking it all in. Uh, and so you need to make sure that you're aware of, of your actions, your words, and then I think you have to be watching um, you know, the locker room, the bus, your team, the culture, uh, and paying attention and listening to what's going on because you want to make sure that you're uh, addressing those issues that, you know, somebody as a middle school boy, they may say something because they heard it on the news or they heard it on a, a YouTube channel or something else, and they're going to say something and not even know what they're saying. And if you don't address it, then you're condoning it. Uh, and so I guess that idea of uh, if you permit it, you promote it, which is something my assistant head used to say for years. If we don't address the injustices or address, uh, you know, 
um, you know, cultural differences. If we don't talk about it and, or we let things go when somebody says something negative, then uh, we're promoting that negative behavior. So that, I think that's a big piece is kind of being open to listening, learning, and uh, making sure you're addressing those issues head on, not just letting them go by under the radar. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I love your phrase, another version of one of my favorites, you know, everything you see is either coached or it's allowed, you yep. know, which one is it? So appreciate you sharing that. Well, Ryan, this has been kind of cool catching up. Uh, you know, we don't get that cohort uh, experience like we did uh, with the rest of our members and, uh, and Daryl Nance, but uh, this has been cool, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're certainly an experienced AD and award-winning athletic director, but right now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. What three items are going to go in Ryan Frost's athletic director toolbox? Uh, so I think the first one, and I thought about this a little bit and kind of, you know, I started reading your book, which I, I also didn't want that to influence me too much because uh, it's been outstanding read that I, I was down at the beach. Well, uh, but uh, really, I think one of the first things is, uh, you know, be prepared. And, and I, I would take that from the scout motto of be prepared. And when I say be prepared, it kind of means a lot of things. You know, for me, it's, it's carrying an extra pen in my pocket every day. So I have one for myself. And then if somebody needs a pen, I can whip it out and hand it to them and, and share that pen with them. Whether I get it back or not, I, you know, I, I always have two in my pocket. Uh, for us on campus, we have a, a plan of the week and it's a minute by minute detail accounting of what's going on on our campus. I carry a hard copy. You know, I have a digital copy, obviously accessing my phone, but I carry a hard copy with me everywhere I go so that I can have access to that and, and address things as needed or know what's coming next. And I think also part of being prepared as an athletic director, you know, you got to deal with anything and everything that comes your way. Lightning, buses not showing up, officials not showing up you know, a problem at a game, you name it. And I think being prepared, having a plan A, B, and, uh, you know, okay, now I just need to rethink and, and reevaluate. Uh, being prepared is a huge part of being an athletic director and, and, and being a leader in your community campus. And so I think that would be number one is be prepared. Uh, I think number two would be, uh, you know, serve. You know, we're, we are definitely servant leaders or, or, and have to be servant leaders. Uh, for as an athletic director, you're here to serve the student athletes, the coaches, your school, your program, your community. Uh, and I think, you know, being really willing to uh, roll your sleeves up, help out. Uh, I go out of my way to try and make sure that my coaches who are you know, doing dorm duty, doing dining hall duty, <laughs> teaching, that when they show up to coach, they have everything they need. You know, the fields are lined, the cones are there, the balls, you know, pennies, whatever they need for practice or a game or travel, they've already got it. And so I'm, I, my job is to serve them and make sure they have everything they need as an athletic director so they can come out, coach, focus on the kids and, and really deliver a top-notch program. Uh, and I think the other part of servant leadership is also being thankful to the people that are there to serve, you know, work for you and, and, and help you do what you do. So the, the grounds, the coaches, the student athletes, the officials, the bus drivers, I go out of my way to try and make sure I'm uh, thanking them and, and publicly acknowledging the jobs they do behind the scenes that allow me to be the athletic director that I want to be to serve our community. And so I think that's a, a big piece, always being a servant leader and, and, and realizing that you're there to serve others and make 
uh, their experience and their life better uh, through what we do. And I think the last thing as an athletic director, I got a piece of advice when I first became an AD was really just to keep a smile on my face uh, and, and enjoy it. Have fun, uh, always smile, uh, you know, welcome other people. You know, we're lucky to do what we do. Uh, and I think that that's a big piece of, of you know, having fun, you know, enjoy it. We're working with kids, we're working with coaches. We're, you know, I view it as the best part of the day <laughs> every day for the kids, you can see them running down from lunch or class and they're, they're geared up to come out to athletics and have fun. And so we should, you know, get that same joy out of it and enjoy what we do uh, and keep that smile on your face because you're, you're out there helping other people and you're having fun. And uh, that's just a, a big part of what we do is, is make sure that you enjoy the experience. There's a lot of people out there and I remember when I wanted to be an AD and you're trying to interview and get those jobs and you, know, oh, you haven't had a title and you haven't had this, you know, once you're an athletic director, you know, realize there are a lot of other people that would love to have your job. Uh, and so enjoy it and, and remember it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I'm glad you finished on that one. The first two are outstanding, but uh, again, our job, it, you're right. It's unlike any other and it is fun. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm sure you're, you go through your day a couple of times and go, gosh, they're paying me to do this. You know, I right. can't believe it. So yeah, absolutely. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong field. Yep. Ryan, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out to you and maybe pick your brain a little bit, and I encourage you to do so, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, best way is to email me. Uh, you know, they can go on the website or they can get my email. It's rfrost at cardigan.org. Uh, you know, at any time, I, you know, just like all of us, I got myself in my pocket and happy to email. And then from there, you know, we can get on the phone or get on a Zoom nowadays with this uh, or connect in person. I, you know, always uh, willing to help new ADs or old ADs. And, you know, there's been tons that have helped me over the years. So anybody and everybody, you know, would love to hear from you. If you got a question or, you know, something I can answer for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm sure it's on the NIAAA portal, but go ahead and uh, give them that email right now. It's rfrost, F-R-O-S-T, at cardigan, C-A-R-D-I-G-A-N.org. Ryan Frost, CMAA, Cardigan Mountain School. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, my friend. No problem. Thank you very much. This is great. I really appreciate it. To our listeners, uh, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational Athletic Director YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thank you.